Today's service sponsored by AT&T. Just kidding. I love that series of commercials and this idea, this concept that just okay is not okay. There's some things that just okay is not okay. And uh, as we're talking today, we're talking about the things that really matter, the things that truly matter uh, to God. And our response should not just be an okay kind of response on these things. In fact, um, we want to continue to propel you, to encourage you to excel to excel in your life. Not just okay is not okay. And uh, that we could continue to excel as a church in the things that God is calling us to because just okay is not okay. And when we think about what we just took time to do in communion, if a man laid down his life for us, if God laid down his life for us, if God made the ultimate sacrifice for us, just okay is not okay when it comes to our response to him, right? Uh, we don't want to just exist as a church. And that's what's continued to propel us to ask big questions, to think about what's next, to, to think about the next risk. We don't want to just exist, we want to excel in the way that Paul commends the Corinthian church as they excel. And here's what he says to them in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, which is really, the 2 Corinthians passage has really been the framework for this series. Here's what Paul says. But since you excel in everything, that's pretty good, right? But since you excel in everything, and then he gives a list of, of some things, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. So they're doing pretty good in terms of getting a pretty um, high mark, a high grade from Paul on their response to God, the way that they're living, the way that they're operating as a church. He's saying, you're excelling in some things. And then he says, and he doesn't say that they're doing okay, but he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving, in this grace of doing good, in this grace of generosity. And so he's elevating for them, okay, we might be a little bit okay in this category, so let's see that we get this uh, in the area of excelling as well. Let's, let's move the mark here. But I like it because he doesn't applaud them for just being okay. He doesn't applaud them for existing. He celebrates them for excelling in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. And he encourages them then to continue to excel in this grace of giving, to be generous as God himself is so generous. Continue to excel. So two things that we must realize up front. We're just going to start with a few kind of points. If we want to excel, if we want to excel as a church, if we want to excel in the things that God is calling us to as a community, as a collective group of people, here's the first thing that we got to realize. Excelling requires an investment. I don't think anybody would argue with this, right? I mean, think about it. When it comes to excelling as you raise your kids, that takes an investment, right? If anybody wants to excel in a sport, that takes an investment, right? I mean, anything that we want to excel at, whether it be school, whether it be building a business, we're, it's going to take an investment. It's going to take an investment of time. It's going to take an investment of energy. It's going to take some sacrifices. It's going to take some risks. We can do just okay without a lot of investment, but we can't excel without a lot of investment. I remember, and I shared this story, maybe you've heard me tell this story, I shared this story with a group of people uh, not too long ago. Um, we had this guy one time when we were doing the renovation back here, and I was working, that sometimes people would just kind of pop in and be like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in, in CrossFit, I'm working on some other project, and so now they kind of got me in talking about CrossFit, and uh, they're like, I'm interested in doing CrossFit, and we started to kind of have this conversation about it, and 
the, the, the long and short of it was that this guy had just watched the CrossFit Games, which I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, but this is like the elite, like 1% level athlete. These people that do this like all day, every day, that train for a living, that this is, I mean, you talk about a level of investment, like this has been their thing. This is, they've invested everything they have in going to the CrossFit Games and being the fittest on earth. And so this guy comes in, he's, he's, all he'd seen is the CrossFit Games, and he goes, hey, so I'd like to join up. And I'm like, great. Like, I'm like, awesome. Like, we could totally do that. And his next line was, I'm like, so what, what kind of made you interested? What you? He's like, well, I think I'll, I want to try to go to the games this year. I'm like, bro, like, you, this year, like, this year, I, was like, I, I don't want to, like, totally, like, you know, rain on his parade that only, like, like less than 1% of the world's fittest athletes go to the games. And he's going to pick up and do it in a couple months. Um, but I was just, well, big dream. Like, you know, you've seen crazier things. And um, so I was, I was kind of just trying to, well, maybe, you know, maybe in a year or two, like we could, you know, just try. But uh, I say that story to say what's funny to me is guess how many times that, that guy showed up to train? None, right? None. He never came back after that. So he had this big, these visions of grandeur, but he never uh, took one step into the gym and put any work or effort or sweat into it. And friends, we just have to realize that if we want to excel as a church community, uh, it's going to take more than intention. It's going to take some execution on some things, and it's going to take us making an investment together. So let's just put that out there. We, none of us would argue that excelling requires an investment. So if we want to excel in the things of God, it also will take an investment. Here's the second thing. Excelling takes everyone. It doesn't just take a few of us, and we've, we've never tried to operate as the church where a couple people sort of, you know, are, are elevated, and it's all about those people. It's about all of us. We're in this together. Nobody should be elevated among any, uh, above anybody else. Excelling takes each and every one of us. And when we read this 2 Corinthians, it was an epistle, which is a, it's a letter. It's a letter that was addressed to a certain group of people. This letter was addressed to the Corinthian church. And when these letters were written, they weren't addressed to an individual. It wasn't like, here's to the pastor of this church, or here's to this person, this is your responsibility. They were addressed to the church. And in 2 Corinthians 1.1, we read the beginning of the letter that we've been um, talking about throughout this series. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice that it's, it's addressed to all of them, right? This is for all of you. And they would have led, read this letter publicly in its entirety, and every person within the church would have understood it was addressed to them just as much as it was addressed to the person sitting next to them. And so when we read these letters and when we digest these letters together, we should come before them in the same understanding. You know, there's this thing called diffusion of responsibility. Have you ever heard of it? It's an actual psychological thing that happens within group dynamics. It's called diffusion of responsibility. And what happens is it's where, there, where people are less likely to take action when there is a larger group of people present. So let's just use the scenario that somebody's being attacked out in the water by a shark, and there's one person on the beach, and you're that person. Your level of responsibility in that moment feels a whole lot higher. Like, okay, anybody, who's going to help? Oh, it's me. It's me. Okay, it's going to be me. And, but if there's a whole beach full of people, there is this diffusion of responsibility where no one person feels like they need to respond. This is an actual dynamic that takes place. 
It's one of the reasons why when you're around, and, and I always get nervous with my kids around water, you're always supposed to make sure, because it doesn't matter if there's a large group of people there, you're always m- make sure that, like, one person has their eyes on that. Like, this is my, that kid is my responsibility in this moment, because there's this, this thing that happens where everybody thinks that somebody else is going to respond. Everybody else is going to do something about it. Everybody else is going to be responsible and it's basically built on this idea that someone else will do it. And we have to push against this kind of thinking. We've got to push beyond it. If we want to excel in the way God wants us to excel as a church, it will take all of us saying, I will respond. I will do my part. And if all of us have that same sense of responsibility, we can excel in a new way. And so um, we just want to spend a few moments then today talking with you now that we have that out of the way, that if we want to excel, it's going to take an investment, it's going to take sacrifice, it's going to take all of us then coming together to excel. And so what are the things that we want to excel at? I mean, that is an important question to ask, and it's an important question that we continually ask as a group of people. And so I just want to spend some time kind of raising our vision to the things that I think matter to God, the kind of growth, since today is all about growth matters, excelling matters, what are the kinds of growth that matter to God? And what obligations do we have to those things? What areas do we feel called to excel at? What things can we not afford to just be okay at? And in Exodus, we believe all of us have four major obligations moving forward as we sort of look to the future and what God is doing. And the first is a spiritual obligation. We feel that all of us have a spiritual obligation. And here's how we're excelling. We are excelling when disciples are developed and deployed. As a church, we are excelling when disciples are being developed and deployed. You know the primary command of Jesus. You've heard it, right? And I heard a church leader one time say, it's the great commission, not the great suggestion. This is not something maybe if you get around to you should do. This is the great commission. This is Jesus' great commission to his church, to his people. It says this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Hopefully you've heard this before. But really tune in. Ready? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this is not just a call to make converts. This is not to just a call to expand cultural Christianity, right? This is a call to make disciples. It's a call to develop people in the ways, words, and works of Jesus, as Dallas Willard puts it. To develop people, to embed the ways of Jesus into their hearts and lives, to live out the way of Jesus. And it's a call to then deploy people in the name of Jesus for the purpose of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. Surely I am with you to the very end of the, I'm the one that's going to allow you to, to carry out these things. Uh, we're, this summer, we, we had the opportunity, every summer, the past couple summers, actually, we've done uh, discipleship. We've gone through our nine discipleship elements, and I've had the opportunity to invite some people into that process and say, hey, we want to we do some development here, and we want to do some deploying here. And so we walk through these things over the course of the summer. And I asked them kind of a week, the week that we started, I said, hey, why are you here? You know, besides Josh told me to be here, invited me to be here, why are you here? And uh, why do you want to be here? Why, do you, why did you say yes to this? And the common thing that I'm hearing is this, we want to be pushed. We want to grow. We want to be developed. We want somebody to raise the bar for us. And I love that. 
And I believe that God is raising up a generation of Jesus followers that wants the bar to be raised. We just want more. We just want more of you, God. We want more of the things of you. We want more Jesus in our lives. We, wanna, we want more of a relationship with you. And we want, to, we want more of, of your purpose being fulfilled in us and through us. One of the guys that I'm especially proud of is, is Mitch, and uh, I'll just brag on him for just a little bit. And uh, over the past uh, couple years, this guy's just really stepped up. And uh, it started off sort of he's hesitant, and I would just be like, hey, here's what I need you to do, or here's what I want you to do, or here's what I see in you. And we're calling him out on more and more things in terms of leading out front, uh, involvement with our Project 215 ministry. This year, Mitch went from kind of being discipled to now I'm going to take responsibility for leading a group of guys through a core group and discipling them. And uh, he texted me a while back and, and said, the gist was, I just want to thank you for the push. Leading this core group this past year has really stretched me to the place where I'm more focused and purposeful. And I love that heart that's just like, hey, thanks for pushing me. Thanks for the little kick in the behind because I want to continue to do more for the name of Jesus. And there's so many examples of this here. I could give so many examples of people that are being, that are having the bar raised for them, that are jumping to that bar, and they're asking for more, right? So let me just say, keep it up. Let's keep developing and being deployed to not just be converts, but to be disciples of Jesus that are living out the way of Jesus in our everyday lives, in every area of our lives. And so we have a spiritual obligation. The next obligation that we have, the thing that we're going to continue to throw our investment into, our resources, our time into, and throw our energy into as a church, is this geographical obligation. We are excelling when the kingdom is pursued and advanced. We are excelling when the kingdom is per pursued and advanced. You see, we believe that see, some of you are like, okay, why another church? We believe that seeing God's kingdom grow in Warren County is more important than just one church in one location. All of these locations matter, but Warren County, God is calling us to, to continue to think bigger and think beyond, to think not just about one place, but to think about his wider kingdom. And we've got to continue to raise our eyes to the horizon of what God is doing. God's kingdom is bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than any one church. And so we've got to get to the place where the kingdom matters most to us. That God's agenda being carried out here on earth and in our cities matters to us more than anything else. And I love in Matthew 6, 31, 33 what it says. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And I love that. It's just a, a resetting because we all need that resetting because our tendency, like Stephen talked about last week, is to anytime there's a change or anytime there's a shift or anytime there's a, a sacrifice being made, we start to ask about, well, wait, what about my needs? What about what me? What about what's important to me? What what about what what, what about what, what will we eat? What will we have? What will it look like for us? And we ask all the sort of inward focus kind of questions. And what Jesus is saying here is, hey, seek the kingdom first. Seek what God is doing first. So Jesus is saying, unbelievers think the other way, immobilized by fear and anxiousness, concerned primarily about themselves. But you are to seek God's kingdom first. Jess and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. We've been married 10 years now. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. 
we went out and had dinner together. There's an old pig. I, I, I couldn't find a really, it's kind of grainy, but a couple of babies right there. Like if you saw our little baby face, like 10 years, I got a lot more gray hairs today. Um, but we, uh, we just spent some time kind of sitting and talking and reflecting back on the journey together and uh, the last 10 years. And uh, we were thinking about, so shortly after this picture was taken, God was ready to do some dramatic things. We just settled into Lexington. We were very certain that we'd be living there. I'd just gotten a job there, and um, that was finally like, okay, I can provide here. We've got something stable, something steady. And all that just kind of got pulled right out from under us. And uh, I felt, and I, I, and I, I told Jess this later, but there was this sense in me that I was going to be leaving that job that I just got. I didn't know what it was, but I just had this sense. And I was reading um, through uh, in Genesis uh, the story of Isaac up on the mountain and the ram being, and, you know, and, and, and Abraham being willing to uh, respond to God in advance of God's provision. And I was like, okay, like something's coming. And God's like, you're not going to have this job here in a little bit. And um, long story short, we connect with Stephen, and he is um, – Tell, casting this vision of what would be Axis Church, and uh, Jess and I jumped on board, and I just think about, I think back to that, uh, because we were leaving a network and community that we loved, that we had grown to love, all the people that we knew and were close to, aside from my family, uh, was was in Lexington, and her whole family was in Lexington, she had grown up her entire, I mean, her entire life up to this point was in Lexington, I was a full-time student, and I would be coming on part-time at Axis, saying, goodbye to a full-time job that provided a, just a little over a thousand dollars a month for us like and that was like our sole income at that time and we we had to like leave a lot behind but as I look back on that I was like now I'm like man that's stressful like that's really stress-. but in that moment we really weren't afraid and because we just felt like, okay, we, we believed what this verse says, that if we just seek the kingdom first, God's going to take care of everything else. And, and the truth is, I can't say that that was easy, because when we moved up here, one of the most challenging things was Jess was really lonely. She, she was really feeling this. And I remember um, multiple nights where I could just hear her crying next to me as she's going. In. And I just laid there thinking, man, I, I, think, I think I maybe made the wrong choice. But we continued to kind of push through that, and our mantra became this verse, those who, the, to, to seek God first, seek the kingdom first, knowing that God would provide. And I share that story not to say, wow, look at us, we made this big, it's not that, I made this big sacrifice, it really isn't that at all. It's just to tell you that this scripture proved true for us. God has been faithful. He's provided just a community of people that we love, and now this is home, and leaving here would be like the most enormous thing ever. And... Uh, God has provided for us financially. He's continued to take care of us as we've taken risks for him and stepped out. As we've decided to make the decision to seek first the kingdom, uh, God has proven true over and over again. And I just want to tell you that because those who seek first will see God more. They will see more. Those who seek more will see more. It proves true over and over again. We are excelling when we are pursuing God's kingdom first. We are excelling when our eyes are on the kingdom. When we're looking for opportunities to launch new efforts, to start new churches, to advance the gospel geographically. We're excelling when we're doing those things to say, okay, God, what is your plan for this region? What is your plan for Warren County? What is your plan, God? We just want to get on board with what your plan is. We are excelling when we put God's mission above our needs. And watch him meet every need along 
the way. And so we have this geographical obligation, and we are going to continue to press on toward that obligation in the ways that God provides and the doors that he opens. The next obligation that we have as a church and as a group of people is a generational obligation. We have a generational obligation. We are excelling when the next generation is equipped and empowered. That's when we're winning as a church. When we're watching this next generation being raised up, being poured into, being equipped with the truth of God and empowered and sent out to live out the purposes of God in the world. David had a specific prayer that I love, and I'm adopting it. Maybe you'll adopt it too when you hear it. And maybe you'll just pray this prayer alongside us. Psalm 71, 18, he says, Even when I'm old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. That's his prayer. That God, just give me, until I'm old and gray, God, I want to continue to display your strength to the next generation, to show the next generation who you are. And it's our job to do that, to declare God to the generations that follow. Something that could seriously bring tears to my eyes as I think about it is just seeing all the people, and I'm just even looking around this room thinking, there's so many people in this room that have just become like family to my kids. I see my kids, people that just treat my kids like they're their kids, and care for my kids, and invest in my kids like they're their kids, and they're doing that for your kids too. And um, I love that culture here, this investment in prayer for leading and teaching my kids like they're their own kids. And we just have a tremendous team of people uh, that does that here. You know, in biblical times, there was this, this thing called, that was really kind of the primary function was like the extended family. Right now we're more in kind of the isolated, like nuclear family kind of, but in, the, in that culture back then, it was the extended family that really kind of poured into the children, right, and raised the children, and they operated in these extended family kind of groups. It was the predominant social structure. It's only in our American culture that we operate in a more isolated way. We try to do it alone. We try to isolate. Um, but you've heard this phrase, right? It takes a village to raise a child. This is that village. This church is meant to operate like that kind of extended spiritual family. We get to all be in it together. And it's our job to always be fighting for the futures of these kids. As we look each other eye to eye, as we look back on the time that we've been given here in this generation, I hope we're having a conversation later like, hey, look at, look at how far these kids have come. Look at the futures they have now because the event, uh, investments that we've made in the present. These kids matter to us. Kids will always matter to us. And when I say kids, I'm, I'm now old enough to, to include young adults into that kids group. I'm, I'm now old enough to include uh, students. Anybody that's younger than me can be a kid, right? And uh, even my wife. No, I won't. I won't no, she's, she's not. But how, what are we doing? What are we doing to fight for the future of these kids? Nothing brings me more joy than pictures like this. And uh, this was at our color night. And just the time and investment that went into this event. Um, and it's not all about the events, but these events are something that our kids just look forward to. Uh, they, they get so excited about. And the cool thing is we're not just having a fun time, but we are having a fun time, right? This becomes a place where our kids just want to be. Where our kids, and so many of our kids cry when they leave church. Like, that's how it should be. Like, now we're crying when we're coming to church. Maybe at first. But now so many of our kids are crying when they're leaving church. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave all their friends. They don't want to leave uh, all their leaders that care for them. And so, and, and I love this. And um, just our teachers and their ability just to speak truth in their life. And Aaron just taught this phenomenal message um, 
just about the whole color idea is just showing these kids that they're unique masterpieces of God. And man, what an, a great way to just bring that lesson home that, that God has created them in a unique way to shine bright and uh, display their colors. And um, so cool. I love pictures like this. And here's some of our students. And what a great uh, team of young people we have and young adults leading out here and, and caring for these students. You know, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to find a ratio like we have of students to, to uh, or uh, adults to students in very many places. We have about a four to one, five to one ratio of adults that are like, we're investing in this group of students. Here they are at camp. And uh, spend time asking Andrew, asking one of our leaders about that experience and how that was such a huge uh, catalyst for life in Christ for these kids. Um, so I just love pictures like that. I celebrate pictures like that. Here's another picture. And one of the things that I hear often, and maybe you've even been guilty of saying or hearing or, or kind of playing into, is a lot of times you hear this whole phrase like kids these days or this generation, right? And we sort of like, well, it's just this, how this generation operates, right? It was just this generation. But I'll tell you right now, this group of young adults that we have around here, a lot of these young adults that I've encountered, they're willing to roll up their sleeves. And a bunch of them said yes to this Appalachia trip to just say, hey, I, I could take vacation days or whatever, but I'm going on my summer break, or I, and I'm going to go and spend some time down in rural Kentucky and, and take care of some people, spend time with some kids. And I love it. I told them at the beginning of the week, I said, um, you guys, like, we're, gonna, we're only here two days. But we're going to accomplish in two days what a typical group would accomplish in a whole week. What do you say? You know, they just love that challenge. So we got to tear down this entire trailer that was caved in. But I'm proud that we're creating opportunities for young people like that to, to get to roll up their sleeves, to not just be, you know, spoon-fed th the things of God, but to actually get to participate in the things of God, to be active participants in God's kingdom. The last obligation that we have that we got to continue to fulfill as a group of people is a cultural obligation. We are excelling when barriers are broken and bridges are built. Galatians 3, 26 through 28, Paul reminds the Galatians, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so it's our job as a church, especially in a time where there's so many, so many racial tensions, so many misunderstandings amongst people groups, so much I'm going to speak before I actually seek to understand about things, right? So much of this, the church has to be, we have to be leading the charge to breaking down cultural barriers and building bridges in their place. One of the things I loved about being down in Appalachia is it really is a different culture. I mean, it's a culture shock for a lot of us first time going down there just to see um, just how uh, people in a different place live. And, uh, but once you get past the differences, you realize we're actually a lot the same. You spend time with their kids, you realize, man, these kids are a lot like our kids, and it's an amazing thing. And I, uh, I had this opportunity, there was this, um, there was this little girl that, um, there, right there, and uh, she, Meredith had just won this girl over, like, after day one, and, and, and Lori, these guys were all sitting and doing tattoos together, and at first, the kids are really kind of like, they're not interacting with us, and you kind of have to, just like it says, you kind of build favor um, and, and build trust, and um, 
these guys had built up trust. Apparently, I hadn't built up enough because I said, hey, you want to give me a flower tattoo to one of the little girls? You want to give me? No. Like, that was just it. No. Don't want to. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I settled for going with a group of the guys and teaching them a game of pickle. But even those guys that were kind of off doing their own thing, I watched as those little small steps, right, began to break down some barriers and build some bridges. Even a simple game of pickle or some simple tattoos have a way of breaking down barriers and building bridges. I think about what happened here when we got to have a dinner with a, a, a group of people from all over the world right here in this place. And what an incredible night that was. It's one of my top ten Axis moments as we sang, how great is our God together, right? All different people groups in the room. And that just to me was just a picture of what, what heaven would be like. But it never ceases to amaze me how simple gestures, simple acts of love, how powerful they are in breaking down barriers and building bridges. And I just got to think, like, why is it so easy on a mission trip, but so much harder in our everyday lives, in our own backyards, to do those things? To go step beyond a barrier and get to know somebody that's different than us. To get to open our lives up to people that we might normally not do so. And we know there's no shortage of barriers um, in, in the two communities that we live, in Mason and in Middletown. I mean, just talk about... Um, some culturally rich areas, and I just find that to be an incredible blessing. What cu- culturally rich areas God has entrusted us with. And it's the church that should lead this effort. Truth is, I don't, I don't know all the answers on this one yet. I don't know what that looks like. But I just continue to have this sense that God wants us to continue to meet this cultural obligation of breaking down barriers. And, and what I do know is that a little bit of love goes a long way. Because the only thing that counts as we're told in Scripture, is faith expressing itself through love. That's one of our core values here. So I want to wrap up this. I just want to say may each of us do that. May each of us step up to invest because growth matters. Excelling matters. It's going to take all of us investing our time, our energy, our resources, praying about how we can contribute to carry out something that is beyond any one of our abilities to do as we come together and plant in a new place as we come together and continue to get this place, um, just continue to, to, to create a place that is just ripe for growth and for uh, us to continue to fulfill these obligations that we feel like we have as God's people, to continue to not just exist, but to excel. I want to leave you with a quote uh, from John Wesley, and I like how he says it. He says, and this just sums it all up pretty well, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can in all the ways that you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. I love the simplicity of that statement, and we do that, friends, and we, and we undoubtedly will be doing more than just okay. We will be excelling in the name of Jesus. I want to leave you with uh, a video from our time spent down in Appalachia as we close out.